Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on wins for Hudson Swafford and John Catlin and we'll also be chatting to Catlin's winning caddy. It's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, brought to you by our friends at Titleist, the number one ball in golf. For more, visit titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, very good, thanks. You okay? Yeah, all good. Uh, I had a fantastic weekend away playing golf with a few friends which was quite messy, but not too messy. Uh, so I was off on Friday and Monday. So, yeah, recovering today. I'm getting a bit old, I think, that's all. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it, no, I had a very, very nice time. Played three rounds of golf. Wow. Um, with the, the, the new swing in action. Had some good moments, had some poor moments, but, no, reasonably positive. Um, that, that's quite a long one, two nights, not just one night, two rounds. Uh, so, so what was your best round? Probably my first round, which I got thirty odd points. Uh, I can't actually remember how many I got. Um, but yeah, we played all different kind of little formats over the, the over the week. So um, yeah, no, it was it was good. I, yeah, played played the right dri- driver. I'm hitting the driver quite nicely. It's going a lot straighter than it was. So that's that's always good to hear. Nice. Got rid of the hook then. Got rid of the hook, but then my chipping around the greens was pathetic, to say the least. So um, I've got some more work to do. Uh, I'm a short game, just could not get going. But we played at a place which I'd never played at before called the Wiltshire uh, Golf and Hotel. And it was really nice. It was excellent. It was really good. Near Royal Wooten Bassett, if you've ever been in that part of the world, uh, slightly west of Swindon. And it was very, very nice. They looked after us very well. Obviously, it's all a bit weird going away at the moment because you've got to wear masks and obviously social distance and uh, they were doing all of that. But it was really nice, really good food. And the golf course was very good. I was very impressed with it. Excellent fairways and tees. Greens ran very well. They had a few issues, I think, here and there with uh, a bit of an infestation of uh, and, and, and some birds pecking away insects. But um, other than that, it was really, really decent, really good. And the golf course was, I thought it was excellent. And somewhere I hadn't ever really even heard of. I thought they were, it was really good. So uh, it was nice to go away. And it felt reasonably normal, although it wasn't normal. Um, oh, I hadn't heard of it. And it's um, got like nine lakes or something, hadn't it? And Yes, a lot of water, a bit of water around the place. Um, but no, it's a nice, I'd say it's a, it was a very good, um, you know, resort course. Because a good array of holes, different kind of, well, it wasn't completely open. You know, you had to hit some um, some decent shots. There's some really nice par fives, especially. I really like the par five 18th, where you've got a second shot coming in, obviously in front of the clubhouse, just, and you've got to hit your second over a ditch. And wouldn't you believe it or not, Elliot, I hit it in two and I birded it on, on, the, on the Saturday. Wow. Um, which So that's obviously why I liked it. But no, it was, um, yeah, I thought really good, you know, one of those risk-reward risk par fives as a last hole. You know, there's a bit of drama which happened on there, people going in the ditch and stuff like that. So, um, 
yeah, no, it's re really good and um, yeah, an excellent, an excellent find, I think. Um, and if anyone's in that area looking for a course uh, to go away to, do, do check it out. And they haven't asked me to say that. That's just that's, that's <laughs> an honest opinion. So, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, very good, very good. Did you play any golf over the, over the last week or so? Uh, yeah, I played on Saturday at the home club. Pretty uh, rubbish. It was very cold and windy. I assume it was oh. cold and windy where you were as well. The wind was ridiculous, wasn't it? Was yeah, ridiculous. Um, I mean, we were very lucky. We didn't have, we didn't have any any rain over the over the three days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was completely dry. Um, I think we got quite lucky because I think there's a bit of rain further further east. But um, so yeah, you struggled in the windy conditions, did you? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's time to put the driver away now. I think I've I've seriously got got the driver yips. It's almost like. The further left I aim, the more it slices. So uh, it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Playing off five as well, I basically give up five shots just because of two drives, really. Well, be, not being a PGA pro at all, or obviously, as you know, surely if you're aiming the further left, you're putting more spin on it. Oh, all right. That's quite technical. But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> not really, is it? That's not, not, not really. That's If you want to hit it with a fade, you aim left, don't you? Yeah, but if you aim straight and it keeps going right, the logical thing yeah. is to aim further left, isn't it? Well, true. Have you tried hooking it? Uh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> no. I mean, I I'm not going to give you any advice because I'm not qualified to do so, and I'm, I'd probably be giving uh, you poor advice. Are you going to try and have a lesson? Uh, possibly, although I did see a really good Instagram tip, so I'm going to try that out. <laughs> But, uh, that's that sounds a lot like you, Elliot. To be fair, <laughs> I, could, I mean, you probably spend fifty quid, and someone would take half an hour and sort you out. But actually, you've seen something on Instagram, so that you know, give that a go first. Yeah, uh, but so yeah, basically, at the moment, I'm kind of coaching my girlfriend. I, I don't know if I told you. Yeah, um, and she's she's really improving. So on Saturday, before I teed off, she had a, a little pitching lesson to try mm -hmm. and get her ready for her first ever round of golf next week. We're going to do nine holes, and. Um, yeah, she's absolutely loving golf at the moment. We went to the driving range the next day, and then we did a little pitch and putt course. Uh, and her worst score was a six on the, this little par three course. So, Great. Uh, yeah, she's she's definitely picking it up. And she almost had a birdie on one of the holes as well, but three putted for bogey, so, which is quite funny. No, oh, well, that's good. It's great to hear someone else getting into golf. And golf continues to. I mean, I, sp I spoke to. Uh, obviously, a couple of people over the weekend, um, as as you do when you go away, and it is amazing how well golf is doing and it's continuing to go. I think that's only going to improve even more when as we go into winter, where obviously usually people stop playing golf, but because I think other sports are going to still continue to struggle. I mean, there's obviously no cricket any anymore; that season's finished. But the football and rugby, if you're not allowed to have a shower after your game, and you've got to go and play in a 80 or 90 minutes in in the mud and cold and not have a shower afterwards i think there's a few people who might say actually you know what i might have the season off so that's the struggle that all sports are having to go through at the moment and having to deal with the situation but i think golf is going to continue um to pick up and that's great news isn't it yeah definitely definitely uh, a lot of my mates as well are really um going to try and give it a go this winter because they often play three or four times in the summer and then put the clubs away and, and call themselves fair weather golfers. But mm. yeah, they're, they're obsessed with it. I think the whole country's obsessed with it. But on that 
that knife edge, I guess you would say, on the other side. I, I saw Cleve Hill Golf Club in, um, where would that be, Gloucestershire, just near uh, Cheltenham, but it's going to close down next year. Mm. We, we did a story on that on the Golf Monthly website, and there's a petition to save that course. Uh, it was an old Tom Morris design back in the 1890s, I think. It looks like it's on beautiful land, and unfortunately they're going to close it because of um, declining revenues, I guess. So, yeah, if, if anybody wants to try and get behind that, I'd recommend them doing it because it looks like a beautiful course. I think it's only 15 to 20 quid to play, and I definitely want to go and have a game there soon. Yeah, and, and there are obviously a lot of golf clubs still, although they may have picked up a few members, and actually some have picked up a lot of members. Um, a lot of these golf clubs are built around, you know, the social side and functions and things like that, weddings and stuff like that. And obviously all that has just stopped, that whole whole leisure business has completely stopped and it's it's getting to the point where you know things have got to be done haven't they otherwise i think there's going to be more and more unfortunately stories like that um i mean we wish them all the best of course and hope that they get out of this situation but um there's going to be more and more unfortunately uh, businesses who, who are going to struggle and um as we move into a recession and and, and further into next year so you know, fingers crossed and let us know, you know, if you, if you want us to get behind you, if you're a golf club or a member of a golf club which is having issues or perhaps you have a golf club which is doing fantastically well at this time, you know, make sure you let us know um, because uh, you might, we might give you a shout on the podcast or actually uh, we'll probably do a social media post. So do get in touch whether uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Monthly or uh, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook or email us golfmonthly at futurenet.com. Yeah, it, uh, it also made me think about Southwood Golf Course. Do you remember that in in Farnborough, yeah. just by the office? That closed last year, and that was where uh, Justin Rose, I think, learned to play the game because it's only kind of five or ten minutes from Fleet, where where he grew up. And you just think how popular that would be now with all these new golfers. Um, mm. it, it's such a shame how you know essentially these courses are businesses, and if they're not viable, then uh, a lot of golfers miss out. Yeah, absolutely. And we, all we can do is we hope that the government pull their finger out. Um, I've seen some incredible things today in, about uh, about football attendances, football grounds, where I think one of them is Wilston, which I know because of the uh, the funny fan, Wilson Raider. Yeah, um, got no fans. But they've got no fans. Well, at the moment, they haven't got any fans because they're not allowed any fans in the football ground to watch the match because that's what the football, you know, not allowed to. But they have a bar, obviously, at the football ground, and they're allowed 40 fans in the bar, which is right next to the pitch. But they've got to black out the windows so that people can't watch it. But they can watch it on the TV in the bar. Wow. Ridiculous, isn't it? Things things aren't quite right, are they? So, um, yeah, I was shocked when I saw that story. And I thought, well, I thought I mentioned it. Even though it's got nothing to do with golf. But, um, yeah, so fingers crossed. Yeah, if you've got any golf clubs and need any help, you know, if we, we're always up for a retweet, aren't we? Or um, we're trying to help out people. Yeah, always happy to share petitions or, you know, chat to members, chat to uh, committee members or, or even local residents, which you did with, with Cleve Hill. And, um, you know, get the real personal story because, you know, we think of a golf club as a bit of business or something like that or something the council runs. But, Actually, it's ingrained in people's lives. It's ingrained in their families' lives, and you know, gets them out socialising and exercising and enjoying this great game. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, let's let's. Um, that's great to chat about that. But let's move away from the green 
grassroots of the game and look at the pro tours because there was two events which happened at the weekend the pj tour and the european tour and on the pj tour hudson swafford won his second pj tour title at the corrales punta cana result and club championship uh, if i can say that the american bird is 17th hole to win by two in the dominican republic swafford was five under after eight holes uh, but survived a back nine double bogey to win for the first time since January 2017. I'm going to be really honest with you here, Elliot, and say that I didn't see an awful lot of this tournament. Did you uh, manage to catch any of it? Yeah, I guess you were kicked out of the bar at 10pm on your weekend. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, I, I actually watched quite a lot of it uh, with my girlfriend as well. Now she loves golf. You know, she, she's going to get into it and hopefully come on holiday with me and stuff. And I was saying, let's go and play the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club. It look, looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, it was a great performance from Hudson Swafford. I thought he absolutely stormed out the blocks, uh, five under after eight holes, and it's a really windy day as well. Looks a, a fantastic golf course, and it really had that big feel to it because I think last year it was an opposite field event. It was won by Graham McDowell. Uh, what would that be? I don't know, maybe during a WGC or something. Um, but this was a full PGA Tour event with full FedEx Cup points. He tried to choke it away with a double and then a bogey a couple of holes later and just hit a stunning, I think it was a five or a six iron into this par three along the um, Atlantic Ocean. Made the putt for birdie and then, yeah, uh, parred the last to win by by one in the end, I think it was. Yeah, he he's someone, obviously, because he won a few years ago, we are well aware of him. And he's probably one of the guys who we thought, oh, he could be one that, leaps through the field but actually he didn't did he he, he seemed to struggle um after his win didn't he he hasn't done anything absolutely incredible has he no he's not well, him again well yeah he's had uh, some really bad injury problems i think he first hurt his rib and then he had to have foot surgery last year and uh in his interview he was actually really good in his interview you'd think i don't know maybe stereotypically there's not really much about him but no he seems a really good character and he was talking about just becoming a father for the first time. And uh, I think he's been working with one of his friends who's a, a psychologist. Because he was saying when he's on the driving range, he stripes it. When he's on the golf course, he stripes it. But as soon as he's got a competition card in his hand and, you know, under the gun, he just can't quite produce it. And, and he says he gets in his own way. Um, but clearly a, a quality player. And when he doesn't get in his own way, he, he can win great tournaments like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking at his results for the year, and it is incredible how a bit of fortune can come your way. He, he played 12 times the event. He's actually missed six cuts. Um, and last year, he played 17 events, and he missed 10 cuts. He just had one top 10. So he had had one other top 10 before this, but he's not one of the guys that you would have been thinking, oh, he's one of my picks to go. And actually, I was looking at his last... Uh, let's look at this. One, two, three. His last seven events before the weekend just then, he had had five missed cuts, a tied 30th and a tied 56th. So it is incredible. You know, when when it just clicks, these guys, you know, when maybe the putter working well or or, or or just hitting it really nicely off the tee, you know, if any of these guys fire, they can win, can't they? Yeah, it's, uh, it's such a high-level golf that they play at. And, yeah, they're probably all the best player in the world on the driving range. But when the tournament's on, when you've got to produce it, even these best players in the world have doubts in their mind. And it's just like us, I guess, at club level. We can sometimes shoot the rounds of our lives, can't we? But then the next day, we, we can't. So that's just the beauty of golf. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of last year, he was 426th in the world, and he had been a top 100 player. So, uh, so he's back up to 165th. So that's that's great to great to see and great to hear from him. Uh, was there anybody else that you thought is worth mentioning out of that? One of your picks, perhaps? Yeah, Adam Long. I, I was doing the betting tips last week. I thought he was going to win. He was too clear heading into final round, and uh, yeah, just had a bit of a nightmare. I think he finished fifth in the end. So uh, we got a little bit of each way money there. Yeah, absolutely. And he's another player uh, who I think he won. He won last year, didn't he? Yeah, he beat uh, Phil Mickelson at the Desert Classic. Yeah, of course, of course he did. So that was right at the start of 2019. Um, and again, he was another one. We're thinking, oh, he's he's someone that we could be really looking at uh, and doing well. Uh, but he's he's actually someone who has started to push to push on. He's had three top tens now, including the second this year. So he's up to the 60th in the world and he's playing very, very solid golf. And you probably get him at quite good odds still, can't you? Yeah, he's probably one of the like top 10 favourites this week. Um, had a really good US Open as well. I think he was 13th there. Yeah, well, I feel like I've got to put money on him already. So, uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. So, and then there was another event, obviously, it was, and it's quite a big one. It was the Irish Open. John Catlin won his second European Tour title of the month after birding the 72nd hole at Galgorm Castle. The American shot six under par round of 64 to finish at minus 10. He beat Aaron Rye by two after the Englishman bogeyed the closing hole. Catlin is now up to career high of 84th in the world. And isn't it amazing? Another American doing well in Europe. Yeah, great to see. He went over to Asia, which quite a lot of them do. It's a very high standard of golf out there. I think he won four times on the Asian tour. He's clearly got a you know great pedigree and, and comes over here, wins twice in a month, basically changes his whole life. And he's going to be in the DP World Tour Championship finale, I think, mm-hmm. and um, probably get into the majors now. So, yeah, great to see. Yeah, he's up to 84th in the world now. Last three events, first, eighth, first. That's decent going, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we've seen this before, haven't we? We've seen... I mean, Kepka's the one, isn't it? You know, he was over, he travelled around the world, played in the European Tour a lot, played a bit in Asia. And now, you know, how many majors has he won? You know, he's been a, a world number one. And um, it's great. I think a lot of the Americans who don't just stick in America just become much better, well-rounded players sometimes. And even sometimes more well-rounded people, to be honest with you, having to deal with with, with all the different countries and different um, time zones that you had to play in and different kinds of courses, of course. So, no, we're going to look at him. Is there anything about his game that you that really sticks out for you? I just think he's a, a very solid player. Nothing really spectacular. He doesn't hit the ball 320 yards or anything. I think he just um, clearly got a great short game, definitely, and um, great at playing under pressure. That three would you hit into the last from like two six five in you know cold conditions in Northern Ireland was spectacular when he needed to, and um, it looked like it was going to be a playoff because Aaron Rye could also reach that par five and two, but he missed it left. So, yeah, brilliant from from Caitlin because you know you don't know how many times you're going to win on the European Tour in your career, and to take two of those opportunities in the space of a month is um, yeah just class. Yeah, absolutely. And well, we're very lucky that we actually spoke recently to the guy who caddied for him at his victory at Valderrama. Now, this is a good story in itself because. The caddy, a guy called George Ounstead, caddied in this event. It was the first time he'd ever caddied in a professional event. And Catlin, of course, went on to win. 
he wasn't also, it must be said, his caddy when he won last week at Gal Gorm. So he gets a chance to chat about uh, John's game a bit and we find out a bit more about him. So here is George Anstead. Hello, George Anstead. Welcome to the Clubhouse podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today. No worries. Uh, thank you for having me. So why have we got you on? Well, basically, it's, it's quite an amazing story that you were on the winning bag of John Caitlin in Spain a couple of weeks ago. And I believe it was your first ever time caddying on the European Tour and your first ever time meeting him as well. Is that correct? Yeah, it was my first time um, meeting John. I met him on the, the Monday night when we arrived in Spain. Just to give a bit of context, I, I live in Portugal. And how I met John was last year we played Portugal Masters. And it's actually quite a funny story because we were playing a practice round with Ryan Evans and Martin Keimer, who my dad was caddying for Ryan Evans at the time. And uh, I think he was first reserve that week. Didn't ended up not getting in the event, um, but we ended up meeting each other and swapping numbers and stuff. And then he asked a couple of weeks before Valderrama this year. He said, "You know, would it be possible for you to come down?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. You know, it'd be a great experience and stuff." Because um, I'm an aspiring professional golfer myself, so I thought it'd be a great, great thing to go and learn. <laughs> went so I went down there, met him on the Monday night. Um, we got on really, really well. I had a great chat um, about sort of how he likes to play golf, his his approach to things, you know, how how I should be as a caddy because he's quite, um, I'd say, a quiet person on the golf course. He can he can be quite quiet. Um, so we, I wanted to, you know, just make sure that I wasn't stepping on his toes or anything. Um, so met him on the Monday, and then we we basically just went from there, and it was um, it was a it was a fantastic week. I had a it had a great feel around it the whole week, really, even even from the practice round. Um, I mean, John was obviously playing really well, but um, you know we got on we got on really well. Um, so I think that helped a lot, and um, and that was basically basically the start of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So have you ever caddied on like the Challenge Tour or any lower tours before? I've caddied on the Euro Pro for. Um, from my friend Marco Penge and I've done a couple like big amateur events for a couple of my mates and stuff but never uh, I've never caddied in a challenge tour event and this was yeah first European tour tour event caddying <laughs> that's amazing so were you quite nervous it must have been um, it was yeah, a, obviously yeah, an it, amazing experience it was a strange feeling um, the first day I wasn't really too nervous um, like it was just kind of a bit more exciting really to, you know, to be around all those guys and um, and see everyone, and then kind of after the Thursday, he shot. I think he was leaving after every round. So after, after Thursday, I kind of thought, well, this is a, you know probably not going to keep going like this. He'd never he'd never won before uh, European Tour, and I don't think I don't think he'd ever really been in a position to win. So I wasn't really expecting anything. And Friday we were out at like three forty in the afternoon, so we're in a two ball right at the back of the field. And the like forty kilometer an hour winds and and Valderrama was like the hardest hardest course in the European Tour. So I thought I thought it was going to be tricky, but uh, it was after that round really that I thought he might he might do something, and that's when I started getting a little bit nervous. But uh, <laughs> you just kind of try not to think ahead. You just kind of try to think, you know, it's one more round tomorrow, and then you just you've got to play well to keep putting yourself in that position and and round that golf course. It's so hard that. It doesn't really matter if you're leaving or if you're five behind. You're always in, in with a chance. Yeah, for those who, who can't remember it, it was about a month or three weeks ago or something. 
Mm. It was an amazing final day duel with um, former world number one, two-time major winner Martin Keimer. Yeah, I think well, that Keimer, was funny. That was Keimer funny the last, didn't he? Yeah, and and I mean, we—that's how I met John. You know, I met him playing with Keimer in a practice <laughs> round. So it was very weird to be uh, like a year later in the final group, and then Keimer's there. <laughs> it was uh, it was a very strange experience. Yeah, but I think it's good to see Keimer playing playing well as well up close because. Obviously, yeah, he's had some I, struggles. Yeah, and I think the week before he'd he'd been leading as well in the Belfry, and he seventeen he made bogey to lose by one, and then I think it was the same in Valderrama. He was tied going down the last, made bogey down the last. But he, if you remember that chip, he hit it was literally right in the right in the jaws. I think it was like one roll short. So um, it was it was unbelievably nerve wracking. It was great to see see someone like Keimer, um, unbelievable ball striker, you know, it's just, it was, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. So, uh, so, so when would, did the nerves like really start to kick in? Was it Sunday afternoon on the back nine or, or was it just the whole weekend? <laughs> yeah. I, John didn't sleep very well Saturday night and Sunday night. And, um, I, I slept all right Saturday night. It was, yeah, it was more Sunday for me. Um, when you arrive there and every, you know, everyone's, everyone's saying hello and all the TV cameras are there and it's just, it's stuff that you're not, you don't usually experience. And I think that's why it, it feels so different. I think it was the same for John as well. He'd, he'd never really been in that position of, of having people come up to him and ask him for interviews and, and stuff like that. It was, so it was very, very hard for him, but he did unbelievably well to manage, um, to manage his mind. And I said to him, actually, on the 14th hole, the last round, that I said, you know, who's going to be more nervous, you or Martin Keimer? Because John's won four pro events in the last four years. And I think Keimer's not won for like three, four years. But, you know, it was things like that, little things that really just seemed to go in his favour. And the momentum all week seemed to be with him. Yeah, so uh, so what was it like caddying around Valderrama? Were you um, trying to play safe, getting John to... To not hit silly shots. Um, luckily, I've, I've played it four or five times, and uh, it's one, it's probably my favourite course in the world, to be honest. I've ever played, so we kind of had a really positive feeling going out every day. It was just like, look how beautiful the golf course is. Let's just go and enjoy playing golf around here. It's not, you know, we didn't really think of it as so. It's so hard. Um, you know, how are we going to battle through it? It was more like let's just go and enjoy it because it was, it was such a nice setup. Um, and John's game is very, very accurately, um, he's very accurate and it's kind of very well suited to a golf course like Valderrama. So we just kind of thought, go and play and just go and do your thing. And he stays very, he tries to stay very in the moment um, anyway, which is good. But I think it was, it was very hard for him on that last day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you're, you're on the bag again in Portugal the next week. Yeah, that was incredible because we got we played first two rounds with Fleetwood and Hao Tong Lee. So again, it's just a massive change going from like you turn up that week at Valderrama, you turn up and you know no one says hello to you because you, you, I think he had the lowest category on the European Tour before this. You know, like to get in events, he, he was barely getting in into these events. And he actually said to me the week before that he wasn't even thinking of of going to Valderrama. He said, you know, I'm, I wasn't even going to go. And I said, God, it's good, good job you went because <laughs> you've uh, changed, your, changed your whole life. 
So it was in, incredible. But Portugal was good. He he played well enough to win, really. He just just a few putts. I think on that tour at that level, it's um, it's it's just putting really. It's so hard to. Uh, they all hit the ball so good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good to see Fleetwood up close. Yeah, unbelievable. What a ball striker. Yeah, great player. And then he um, it was US Open the week after, so we were sort of milling about whether we were going to get into that, and it was all. Very, very exciting, uh, very exciting times. Yeah, so uh, so looking to the future for you, yeah. uh, I think you said you're back on the bag again in a couple of weeks, didn't you? Yeah, back on for Italy, which is in two weeks, I think. So back on for Italy, and then he's it's Cyprus for two events after that, which John isn't playing. Uh, he's going back to California, and then he's going to get ready for the, the last swing, basically, all getting ready for Dubai, which... Um, is a, a major blessing to be in that tournament. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's how... the biggest, biggest oh, individual on. prize money in, in golf, I think, Dubai. Yeah, three, $3 million to the winner, I think. Yeah, because I think the FedEx Cup is it's the whole season, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. You, you wouldn't mind 10% of that then? <laughs> no. No, Christ alive. <laughs> so, yeah, for you as an aspiring professional golfer, uh, what was mm. this like and... and... Do you take confidence that you know you now can see what it takes to to win at that level or compete? Yeah, um, I take a, a lot of experience really. Um, just the way the way in which he managed his his game and the way in which he managed his emotions and and everything was was very special to see. Um, you know the the pressure and those last kind of that last nine holes is is very real. You know, and and you you do see differences in the way people do things people start to get quicker and and little things like that people start to talk less or talk more so it's um it's just given me a lot of experience really i would say it's it's something that you can't you can't buy that and um and watching yeah watching the way they they all go about it you know even these these top players like Keimer and Fleetwood um is really special they're so so detailed in the way they do things yeah, right. Yeah. So, what's what's your age and handicap? Sorry, uh, plus three at the moment. Right, and um, are you, you planning to turn pro in the in the future? Or planning to turn, turn pro uh, sometime in the next next year. Yeah, so um, hopefully sometime in the next year, turn pro and then and then give it a go. Try and oh, make brilliant. my own way. <laughs> <laughs> right, and uh, what are your social medias so so people can follow you? Uh, Ounce did golf on on Instagram. Yeah. Very easy to find. <laughs> uh, all right, great. Thanks a lot, George. I appreciate that. And uh, good luck in Italy. And hopefully John wants you on the bag if he makes it into Dubai. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Very enjoyable. Well, there you go. That was Elliot talking to George Alstead. And really interesting insight there. <laughs> yeah, what an amazing story. Uh, obviously, George said there that he wasn't really expecting much, even after John was leading after the first round. But yeah, just obviously a life-changing week for both of them, to be fair, because George, like he said there, is a, an aspiring tour professional and to win. I didn't actually ask how much he won or, or even looked, to be honest, but I would imagine he won best part of 15 grand, taking the 10% out of it. So, yeah, just a fantastic experience for him. And it looks like they're, they're going to keep in touch and George is going to work again in Italy in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, perhaps the start of a, a good relationship there. That's it. And, and, and exactly as I was saying before, this is, I mean, obviously John Cutton's coming over. He hasn't got a full-time caddy or 
He uses the caddy here and there when he can. And, you know, this is great. He, he's met up with someone else who's, who's suddenly shared this victory with him and shared the spoils in his victory as well, which is fantastic in itself, isn't it? So I think this is, again, he's going to be an our person. We're going to be very much on our radar. And uh, someone will probably look and hope that he does very well in the future because uh, he sounds like he's a nice bloke and um, obviously he's playing very well as well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, over the moon as well to, to be in these massive events on the European Tour, which is great to see an American looking at the European Tour like that when, you know, we've heard Paul Lazinger this year call it that tour. And I'd really fancy him next week at Wentworth, actually, because that's quite a fiddly course, a little bit like Valderrama. It's very tough. You don't want to miss that in the wrong spots. Uh, and yeah, it'd be good to see him there. Yeah, I can tell you, having played three holes there recently with Paul McGinley, <laughs> name drop, uh, that it can be quite tough. Uh, but let's let's look forward to this week because again, actually, if you look at the last two weeks, the European Tour have actually had the bigger event. They've had the better players as well at it. Um, the world ranking actually gives points for each tournament and how many points you can actually win depending on the world rankings and the European Tour. Uh, was ahead last week and is ahead this week as well. And that is because this week it is the Scottish Open. Uh, the Renaissance Club hosts the Scottish Open for the second consecutive year to start three-week British swing with the BMW PJ Championship next week and the new Scottish Championship the week after that. Tommy Fleetwood headlines a decent field featuring the defending champion Bernard Beesberger, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Thomas Peters and Lee Westwood. It's remained on the Rolex series, which is pretty big because the purse is quite a big $7 million. Um, the Renaissance Club looks set to try and provide a tougher challenge with the new routing, thicker rough and easterly winds. Not sure how they can uh, organise the easterly winds, but it seems to be something that they're talking about. Last year, Roy McIlroy complained after he shot 15 under and finished outside the top 30. Looking forward to this week? Yeah, very much so. It looks a stunning course. I know it got a few complaints last year, but if ever you're going up to the east coast of Scotland and you know a member, because that's the only way you can play this course, I think it definitely one for the bucket list. Yeah, there, there were complaints that it wasn't typical Lynx golf heading into the uh, Open at Port Rush last year, but it's, it's right on the sea. It looks beautiful. And I think this year they're, they're really toughening it up with this new routing. They've got four or five new tees, I think, and apparently the rough is going to be very thick. So, uh, yes, yeah, should yeah. not be winning in the 20 unders, hopefully. Yeah, last year, if I remember rightly as well, the weather was was pretty amazing. I don't think they had much wind at all. And it, we know if you go and play some of these courses which are built near, near the coast and, um, you know, the main defence sometimes is the weather. And if you get that on a great day, you can shoot you know, very low there. So um, let's hope that they... I think they're trying their absolute hardest to make sure that the course is perfect for tournament golf. Um, who do we think is going to do well, Elliot? Anyone that you like the look of? Uh, well, Martin Keimer's on a great run of form. Hasn't won in six years since his US Open, but he's been in the top three, I think, twice over the last sort of six weeks. So he looks pretty good. Um, the bookies obviously like Tommy Fleetwood as tournament favourite. I would probably put my money on Matt Fitzpatrick, second favourite, I know, which is a bit bad, but um, a, a proven European Tour winner. And... Yeah, looks looks pretty decent at twelve to one. Hasn't done much in in too long, so he's probably due another win. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, he's also in the world's top twenty, I think, or at least in the world's top twenty-five. So, um, I think he's definitely someone to look out for. I'm also going to go for an Englishman, Andy Sullivan. I like the look of. He's been playing really well in the UK. 
uh, that, that UK swing he won and, and did very well in it. So I think he's certainly someone to uh, to look out for. And also, how about we're in Scotland? Let's pick a Scot, Robert McIntyre. He's fifty to one. I think he's a pretty decent shout. Um, hasn't had an incredible year so far, but um, I think he's certainly someone who I think we should look out for. What do you think about Bobby Mack's chances? Yeah, definitely. He's um, been a bit quiet this year, but obviously um, we spoke to him on the podcast and, and he had a, a very long time off just enjoying life at home. So, yeah, had a, had a great year last year. So definitely could go well. Um, Jazz Janet Watanabe yeah. as well at 66-1 to 1, was uh, in the top five last week, I think, and really good sign of him playing well outside of Asia. So, yeah, it would be great if he could win on the European Tour. Cause I'm definitely fan. one of your favourites, isn't he? He's definitely one of your favourite golfers. So, uh, yeah, no, it's great. Well, I'll be honest with you, this this week, I'm not doing the best tips again because I'm too busy. So, I've and Sam Hemlet last week picked, we haven't even mentioned this, have we? No. He picked John Catlin to win. So, um, as he's in such top form, I said, well, go on then, you can have another go. So, do check out the uh, golf betting tips by just Googling golf betting tips and clicking on the post on Golf Monthly, or you can go to the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. Of course, check us out on social media. So, um, yeah, just have a look and see if Sam can win you some more money. Um, moving on to the PJ Tour, where there is the Sanderson Farms Championship at the Country Club of Jackson. Sebastian Munoz beat Sunjay Im in a playoff last year, and both men are back again this year. PJ Tour Rookie of the Year, Scotty Scheffler, is the tournament favourite, whilst Ryder Cup stalwarts Henrik Stenson and Sergio Garcia are both also in the field. Who'd you like for this one, Elliot? Ah, well, I'm actually doing the betting tips on the website this week. Uh, looking to go a little bit better after Adam Long only netted in each way last week. Um, and Top standards. That is high standards, which I like to, to hear there, Elliot. Not happy with an each way. Well, you know, I just saw Sam had picked John Catlin and Adam Long was two ahead. And I thought this could be one of the best days in the Golf Monthly betting tips history. So uh, that, that was quite disappointing. But yeah, so I'm going to read out two. Mm-hmm. Number one will be Henrik Stenson, 55 to 1. I've gone three points each way on him, and I think uh, he was 21st last week, which is very respectable. And uh, he hasn't won this year or really done much, but he's only played eight times. So uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he's um, a finely oiled machine, and he's probably just coming into his peak this week, hopefully. And I also like Rafa Carrabeo down at 80 to 1 as well. I think that's that's far too long for a player of his quality. It's amazing you seem to be picking the guys that I sometimes pick. It's <laughs> isn't it? A lot, of, a lot of the way I always go, oh, we're in America, you always pick Americans, and you've picked a Swede and a Spaniard, but I think they're both decent picks. Uh, and then I'm going to pick an Englishman. <laughs> so I like Tom Lewis. Tom Lewis is 70 to 1. I think that's a bit long. He's been playing pretty decently, hasn't he? Um, I think this kind of guy, kind of um, event that he could actually do very well in. I think we should mention your mate Adam Long as well. He's 33 to 1. That's longer than I was expecting. No pun intended. Um, but let's look at an American. How about Ches Reevy? 40 to 1. Now, there's a reason why I've picked him. Do you know what it is? Um, he, he likes chicken farms. Um, I mean, he might do. He might do. No, it's mainly because he was third in his last PJ Tour start at the Safeway Open. And he shot, if I remember rightly, 
66-66 at the weekend, Route 66. So in his, he, he didn't do quite so well in, at the US Open, but he was obviously in very decent form at Safeway Open. So I think he's just probably one of those really decent informed players who um, I think could do very well this week. And I think at 40 to 1, that's pretty long. Uh, and he's also, let's remember, he's inside the world's top 50 as well. So he's playing, you know, really decent golf. So Chesar Evie, you heard it here first. Oh, well, uh, hopefully he doesn't win because he's not one of my four picks. Well, I might, might, well, I might put some money on him instead. Um, uh, but yeah, there you go. Anybody else that you wanted to mention? No? You're going to keep them under your hat? Yeah, there are two secret picks that, that can be found if you Google golf betting tips and click on the Golf Monthly article. There you go. You heard it here first. Um, couple of quick mentions. Elliot, do you want to talk about Jill Thornhill first? Yes. Uh, what an amazing story this was. And I, I thought it was definitely worth chatting about on the podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jill Thornhill, um, I can't say I did until last week. She won the Women's British Amateur Championship in 1983. And she's just gone and won the Walton Heath Ladies Autumn Meeting at the age of 78. 57 years after she first won it and she's got a handicap down to five i mean amazing so uh well done jill she plays off the same handicap as me and she's 78 years old so uh, that's that's just incredible i think that's a nice uh, little story isn't it um and yeah it's amazing and that just shows how great golf is and how the longevity it's why we love golf you play you can play it for so long you can play it for so long i haven't played a game of football now for an awful long time and I'm 38. You know, your football career compared to your golf career can be huge, can't it? And when we say career, I don't mean career. I mean just being able to play it and enjoy it. So uh, that's a great story, isn't it, from Jill? Um, we have got a big stretch of golf coming up, haven't we, Elliot? We've got the BMW PJ Championship next week, followed by the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship. And the world's top five are committed to the CJ Cup. Uh, and Tiger Woods has confirmed he's defending the Zozo title. So suddenly we've gone from having as little hiatus until the Masters to actually a lot of the big names suddenly coming to play, and that's because really they want to play well at the Masters, don't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's starting to heat up now. Two massive tournaments, obviously, should be in South Korea and Japan, but they are both taking place on the West Coast, I think, the CJ Cup's in Vegas and the Zozo is at Sherwood Country Club in California. So, yeah, two massive weeks there. Um, I'm gutted. I'm missing the PGA next week. I'm on holiday, but I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. Uh, this is probably the first time I haven't been to Wentworth, God, in uh, pr probably over 10 years. So, yeah, it's going to be a massive shame because it's always one of the best attended events sort of in the world, you would have to say. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Wentworth, I mean, it's in Great Nick. I can I can tell you it's in Great Nick because it was in Great Nick when I played fantastically over the first three holes. Paul McKinley the other day. I don't know if I've mentioned that, have I? Um, uh, yeah, I did watch the videos. They're on our YouTube yeah. page. If if you guys want to go and watch Tom Clark's swing, exactly, you have the chance to rate my swing and also see how how poorly I played Wentworth uh, <laughs> and also other stuff. So. Uh, yeah, but it's, I, I, yeah, Wentworth's great to see. And we, we said already, I mean, I've, it has felt a bit bit more autumn-y the last week or so. Uh, see, I've got one tree, quite a large tree at the end of my garden. And when I got back from the golf weekend, um, there's an awful lot of leaves on the lawn, which hadn't been there when I 
when I'd left on Friday. So um, Wentworth is going to look a bit all to me, and I'm looking forward to that because obviously I have the memories of the match play being played at this kind of this time of year, um, and I think it's going to look fantastic. I hope the weather's good. That's all I ask. It's, uh, I haven't had the, the best of luck this year with the with the fire at the Rose Ladies Series um, finale, so I hope they have a bit more luck this this week, and we have a. Uh, we have nice autumnal conditions for the golf to be played in because it should be great, shouldn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. It's um, one of the best conditioned courses in the country and one of the only few sort of in the UK and Ireland that has a sub-air system as well. So there'll, there'll be no doubt the greens are going to be very slick. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be great, aren't they? Well, the next week, as Elliot has said, he's on holiday. We may be able to slip in a podcast here or there. If not, we will be back the next week after. But we will, of course, chat about uh, who wins at Wentworth and look ahead to all the other golf and uh, and all the golf action at, at the next podcast. So do tune in. And as ever, do follow us on social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And, of course, do check out the Golf Monthly website as well. Elliot, thanks for chatting. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom. Always enjoyable. Indeed, indeed. And uh, everybody out there, stay safe and we'll speak to you again soon.